Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 99 of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. In this one, I have the great honor of connecting with someone who's been on the show before, but now with a completely phenomenal opportunity, uh, this individual here is working to open up a brand new school. So taking all the ideas that all of us talk about in the hallways, over drinks, uh, the all the what-if scenarios, uh, this particular individual is going to make it happen, and so I'm so excited to have him back on the show to talk about the journey. He gets so in-depth. We talk about some really, really powerful things. The the idea of, of rethinking school and collaborating among schools and, and charter schools and public schools and just how do we engage the community to enhance the education for our students. So just so many wonderful ideas and I think one of my favorite quotes that he says in this podcast that you're about to listen to is I'd rather spend thirty thousand dollars educated child than to lock up an adult and so I think with that kind of mindset we can go into the school year thinking about ways to reach our students in ways we haven't thought about before guys as always before we get into the interview if you like this podcast you're finding it helpful please 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 share it on social media take a screenshot of the Put out there the, the favorite quotes you have. Let us know, not just for me, but for the guests as well, as well that are taking time out of their incredibly busy days. We're all so busy um, to share their insights in hopes that it inspires, challenges our thinking, and more importantly, makes us a better person. All right, my friends, enjoy episode 99 and Living on the Edge of Chaos. Woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs. Talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like caffeine for the boring. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug Books. We're here with another edition of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. Guys, I am so jacked up for this episode, not just because the guest is amazing, but because we're going to be talking about things that I believe educators have been talking about um, in conference hallways, um, over late night drinks, playing the the what if, like what if school was this, um, and, and we're going to be speaking with someone who is, is part of an amazing community that's actually like making these ideas happen, but I don't want to jump into all super fun right away. Let's take it back just a step, and let's obviously figure out who in the world is that I'm talking to, and so um, Todd, I'm going to have you jump in, introduce yourself what you do, and you do many things, um, um, but kind of what you've got rocking and rolling, and let's just, let's just dive into the fun. Yeah, so so Aaron and I met, uh, we were both MIEs about five years ago. Um, after uh, I went on to do the MIE fellowship, uh, spent a year with Microsoft training at the 25 largest school districts across the country, speaking at conferences, uh, on sabbatical for my classroom. Uh, I teach kindergarten through 12th grade technology, uh, formerly at the International Academy uh, in Flint, Michigan. And uh, I am a math and language arts major. Uh, And technology and science, those those were my passions, right? Those were the things that that I love doing, that are part of things that are, I have hobbies in, 
And I was here in Flint teaching kids how to build robots and drones and autonomous vehicles and build apps and uh, doing all the, these things within the frame of the computer teacher, right? That was what was on my statement of hire. But um, the reality is, is, is I was the, the STEAM educator. And, you know, if, if I'm really honest with myself, it was, you know, teaching in the inner city. Um, I was using the technology education to uh, enhance the math and language arts uh, curriculum because, um, like so many of us, we are, you know, we're under these burdens of state standardized testing and, you know, the funding follows the ability to be able to demonstrate um, these, you know, sometimes archaic, you know, skill sets, but uh, that is where a lot of us are at. And I think, like Aaron said, we, we all dream uh, of, of, a, of a brighter uh, tomorrow, of, of something where students aren't judged based on how well they can memorize things, uh, but they're they're equipped with the tools to be able to problem solve things. And and you know we I, I was very fortunate to work in education uh, reform and to kind of get these ideas out there, uh, but became very frustrated because I felt like doing all these things and it wasn't really getting the results uh you know that it would go back and forth a lot of partisan politics uh and that really led me to start start looking for other avenues to make this happen other avenues other people that believe that you know instead of just having kids memorize fish names uh that we actually teach them how to fish right and we give them the tools so that, that they can work collaboratively um with with other people you know we find cultures that that have these high test scores often don't do as well in the areas of creativity and working with others um, which is really what our, our economy, our global economy has become based upon is this ability to, to think creatively, to work collaboratively, to be able to communicate a, across multiple different ways, whether it's in person or online or share documents, you know, and then to have those critical thinking skills to, to solve the, the problems along the way. Uh, and there's not, not really tests that, that, that can accurately evaluate that. So, um, getting into so that's kind of how this next avenue started um so i'm still working with microsoft uh, i um i was working with hacking stem last year with worldwide education got the opportunity uh to go to brazil you know um you know travel 100 miles down the amazon river you know get to do some missionary work donating um you know uh colored pencils and paper to tribes uh, in the interior of, of the rainforest uh that that was their technology and as a technology enthusiast uh i'm always always so quick to to to, to remind people that technology doesn't have to be electronic you know that you know we talk about you know, color pencils are a technology because before that, you know, we had to write carved stone and, you know, we had to write with a feather and some ink, you know, and, you know, that, that the technology you're using doesn't have to be electronic at all. And technology, just by its definition, is anything we create to make our lives easier. And so, you know, this next venture in my life with the Flint Cultural Center Academy and the all the partners that are involved in this, 
believe that. So the technology is 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 making it easier, um, and the philosophy comes from from utilizing community resources and being able to to use the what your community has and integrate that into your school. And and none of the funny thing is, is none of these are new ideas. I <laughs> right, love this right. because you know. Um, so working here, uh, I'm I'm the CIO. Um, and, uh, you know, traditionally CIO stands for what, 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 Aaron, uh, what do you know chief, that chief innovation officer? Yeah, well, it's chief information officer. You're, you're a little ahead of the curve, but yeah, the, <laughs> that, the idea is, is that, that I'm more, I care more about, uh, the innovation. Uh, and then the idea of being chief, like, um, I think that, that doesn't really define as much of what I was doing here as cultural. So uh, cultural innovations and then officer just once again, doesn't define my role, um, but organizer does. And so as a CIO here, the cultural innovations organizer, I'm, I'm doing the same roles as a chief information officer, but it's more informed and it's more about the team uh, and it's more about looking to what's really working out there and being able to collaborate with with other institutions uh, to bring those those best practices back here to Flint. So that's what I'm up to these days. Yeah, just a a small task. And I know it it was it's so funny, like every time I I get a chance to see you, I felt like there for a while I got to see you all the time. And then now it's I'm lucky if I see you once a year, whether it's at first or uh, this year, I was lucky to get to ISTE and um, another you know, a friend of ours, Doug Berman, he had ran ran into you earlier, and he's like, "You've got to go talk to Todd. This guy, this one, we think he's he's doing some crazy. He's got even a crazier idea." And anybody that knows Doug knows his excitement anyway. So I was like, "If Doug's Jack, yeah. we gotta go. I gotta go track you down." Um, and so it's kind of a, a two pronged question, but it, it's, it's going to funnel into I think one answer. You know, you you've had the opportunity you talked about traveling to remote places, and really just you got to travel all over the world with lots of schools and after school programs through your, your stuff. With, with with Microsoft and Hacking STEM and those organizations, and um, you know, not all of us have those opportunities. Uh, many educators, only place they get to go is their school or maybe a local conference. And so, um, as you've got to see everything, the good and the bad, um, maybe talk a little bit about that. Not to dwell on the negative, but I think it's important for people to realize it's it's not perfect. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. I mean, you can go somewhere else, and they're going to have the same barriers that we're all facing. And how have you? Um, and, and the people that you're working with, been able to take those ideas and kind of see those repeated patterns to what you're doing now in Flint with the Cultural Center. And maybe even with that, I guess I'm tacking on a third thing, maybe explain what in the world you ha- this amazing thing you have going on with, with, with the Flint Cultural Center because it's phenomenal. And then we can dive into that because I think it's, it's, it's kind of a two-pronged approach in my head. You've got to see a lot of things, kind of see what's working and what doesn't work, and now you're able to apply it to actually do real learning that so many of us would love to have. Yeah. So yeah, it's totally blessed to be, to be able to go to, um, I think, uh, visited in the last four years, close to 120 different schools <laughs> and crazy. everywhere I go, I see amazing things. Like there are so many innovations all over and the reality is, is so yeah, I get to go visit it in per in person. Uh, but the opportunity is, is with technology, you know, we, we're Skyping right now, you know, and you can do the same, the same thing and thereby, you know, thereby you don't need to necessarily 
go to the places or maybe, you know, you have the opportunity to be able to connect with them for weeks or months or a year uh, and then eventually leading up to going there. Uh, and I think that's that's so for those of you that are that are interested in doing that, I definitely encourage that. And the other thing is, is I, as I've never been to a bad school, sure. uh, I've been to, to communities that have challenges. And I think that's very fitting uh, because when I was doing the conference circuit and speaking at these conferences in front of all these teachers, I, you know, I'd introduce myself as Todd Beard from Flint, Michigan. And you'd hear, you know, 8,000 people all gasp at once, you know, like, you know, that, Ooh, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and, and I, and it's because, you know, that, 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 you know, our, our struggle was made, you know, international news, uh, rightfully so because, you know, because of the politics of it, um, because the water here in Flint still isn't fixed, you know, mm-hmm. we, we're going to be, we're going to be working on this problem for the next 16 years, you know, oh, tearing wow. up these lead lines and, and pulling them out. And, and every community I go to has challenges that revolve uh, around poverty, around mismanagement of funds and around mismanaged, uh, mismanagement by leadership, um, you know, all sorts of, of things that are, are challenges, right? And they, they can tear us down. And a lot of you listening, you know, right now you're nodding, you're saying, yeah, you know, I, I can relate. We had this challenge in my community, you know, and I think the opportunity is is to find other communities that, that have that similar challenge and be able to connect uh, and be able to kind of learn from them and then be able to maybe they're at a spot where they can't take it to that next step. You know, like innovation is a, is a lot like a roller coaster, right? You got to go up that and you get to the top and then you, you go down, but you, you have to go down to make it up that next hill, like sure. that momentum you get from from overcoming those challenges. These are the things that, that we hope our students, when we talk about, you know, going into education, most of us did it because we wanted to change students' lives, you know, and, and grades and curriculum, you know, they're great for imparting knowledge. Uh, but the reality is, is these real uh, passion-based learning experiences, that's what changes lives. That's what brings communities together. And so I just, I started looking for partners and, you know, it's funny because even in an economically depressed area like Flint, Michigan, you know, you, I'm, I was able to find people that were on similar missions that I was, you know, and, and we started to kind of come up with this theme that, that, you know, we believe in the culture of success through the art and science of learning, you know, and in my community, we, we have the, the Flint Institute of Arts and we have the Flint Institute of Music and they're, they're both amazing institutions. Uh, And during the day they, they sit empty because the kids are all in school, you know? And so they had, you know, they had an operational challenge of, you know, having, their employees not um, they'd be working with homeschool children and, and stuff, but they weren't still weren't operating at their full potential. Sure. And so it was the realization that if, if we had an anchor institution um, working with with the, these institutions, that it would benefit everyone. And the people that would benefit the most would be the students, because this curriculum focuses it started off uh, as being, you know, the, the idea was is, is having this this um, STEM school, right? And, you know, it's it's 
it's great. I love STEM. You love STEM, you know, we're, but I think when we were honest with ourselves as teachers and, and parents and, you know, as people that there are many things that are more important than STEM and that there's really nothing that's more important than culture mm-hmm. because in visiting these schools, they had great people working with great kids in hard situations. And I think the key takeaway from the multitude of seeing what was working and what wasn't was this idea of they had a culture, right? They had a culture that was overcoming an obstacle, right? And they had a culture of, of, of instead of, uh, you know, focusing on their weaknesses, they celebrated their successes, right? And so, I mean, it starts with that positive attitude and then having everyone working towards a goal, right? And so, you know, and it can't be, that generic goal of like, oh, you know, we want to have a hundred percent graduation rate, or we want to have a one-to-one laptop program. These, these aren't the the cultures of, of successful institutions. These are those, those ideas come out of competition about being better than the district next to you. And I think in education, we have a real opportunity to not play that game. You know, there. Uh, Aaron, Aaron knows from First Robotics, we're we're huge believers in cooperation. And that's the reality here. So yeah. we, we are a uh, we are a public charter school. So, you know, we are we are um, in cooperation with the Flint public schools. Right. And so where, you know, where we have different opportunities and different challenges, the ultimate is the benefit of the kids. Right. And so, you know, there is this one size fits all education mentality you know, has been challenged, you know, and, and some of it done, you know, in, in states with charter schools, um, you know, some of it is being done by, by school districts that are realizing the potential uh, and, and able to open up their own charter schools. Right. And it's this idea of, you know, not necessarily having it be a magnet school or having it be, you know, uh, a, a, um, you know, only the special kids get into this school, but to have it catering towards the, the type of education, um, that, that, that your, your, um, students are seeking, you know? And so, yeah. So not to cut you off, but I, a question I'm curious about, because I know like in Iowa, um, charter schools aren't really, um, a big thing yet. Um, there's, not and it's not just an Iowa thing. There's many states, right? That have a huge, especially in public education, a huge anti-charter push and movement. Some of it maybe rightfully so. There are lots of bad examples of charter, but there's lots of bad examples of public school. And I don't I don't want to get into all the politics of that um, because yeah. everybody has their own opinion. But I guess my question is, as as I mean, you guys are a couple weeks away. Um, I'm gonna put links in the show notes. This this cultural center, the way things have come together, this place looks phenomenal. It looks like completely the real deal. Um, and and I and I know it's going to be. But how have you guys been able to manage in a community? this piece and maybe it's not not that it's it's picture perfect because nothing ever is but um as you guys are getting ready to open up the doors and and i know when we talked at um at, at issue of the summer or geez i guess it's still summer you know you had a lot of people applying for the lottery to get in i mean so there's a, there, there's a positive rush to it but we also know that there's this other movement behind it that anytime you say charter people kind of at least in public education throw up a little bit in their mouth so um not to go into a huge dissertation on that because that's i want to get to the more the positive of it, but i think it's a very realistic question because a lot of people have these ideas and, and there is a pathway to bring these learning opportunities to life um, not that you have to completely go against 
public, and it's not that it has to be one or the other. You're working collectively with your school uh, community, which is amazing. Just how did you piece that all together? Because I think that's a nudge that a lot of people I think struggle with. Yeah, yeah. So, so every state's different. We are a public charter school. Um, and that's the, the, we have, uh, you know, we are governed by a a state institution. Grand Valley state, uh, university is our authorizer. Um, we, uh, everything we are a, um, the, um, the company that employs our, our teachers is a nonprofit. Um, all of the, all of the other organizations that we work with are nonprofit. Okay. Um, we have the opportunity for unionization here. Um, but yeah, that's not mm. the case everywhere. You know, like you, it's the same apples to oranges, even within the, the traditional public school system, uh, about how every state's a little different and, and yeah, you know, the, the traditional public's, uh, education system, you know, has taken some shots about mismanagement of funds, but you know what? So has some of, and especially in my state, so has some of the for-profit education companies, Right. you know, and I won't get into the politics of it, you know, like there's a time and place uh, for everything. And I think, you know, if, if we have, if we have the type of account- accountability, um, then we wouldn't need both, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you know, right. but, but for, for whatever reasons, you know, that the, the mismanagement is there and then that opportunity for innovation. And, you know, both political parties jumped on on board uh, a few years back because they saw the potential. And I think now it's it's that time to kind of uh, to to look at, you know, how the years have gone and and make some changes. Yeah. To be able to to make both systems better, you know, because the idea is, is, is that, yeah, it, you know, when we get to a place of equilibrium, you know, where we have that, that, that balance between not having to have, you know, the factory model where, you know, when you're, when you have this giant school district, it's very hard um, to specialize and to focus on individual educational needs um, because of the, the economies of scale. Uh, And then the other, the other opposing view is, is with all these, you know, small charter schools or small, smaller school districts, you know, it costs are higher because, you know, you have to have, you know, different, you have to have services for each one of the things. And, you know, I hope that in the future that, that we, we do get to that point where school districts start working together uh, and being able to cooperate to keep those costs down. A lot of, a lot of the innovations here at FCCA have been financial ones and looking at the way that we work with uh, ourselves and our community to be able to keep our costs down, to be able to put more money uh, into the students and right and their needs, and you know not having to, you know, spend all this money on things like you know irrigation and, and mowing the lawn, and you know these are things that need to happen. But I think you know that that is the opportunity is to kind of look at you know how we can work together. Uh, instead of playing playing the game of like you know us versus them because right. I mean I know a lot you know you put a bunch of teachers from traditional public and charter school together and they're just fine it's it's the it's the idea that um, that has been put out there it's it's propaganda you know and both sides do it right. to be able to try to push people towards their way of thinking um, I'm I'm more of the field that I believe. That it is, you know, I'd rather I'd rather invest thirty thousand dollars to educate a child than to lock up an adult, mm. yeah, right? And so that's where I stand politically, and you know, and I think you know, 
traditional public schools and charter schools are doing great things. And I look forward to the day that the two merge together and that there isn't this divide of us versus them. Um, and you know, that that's, I think kind of a starting point where we're trying, we, we are doing that here. You know, we're, yeah. we're letting everyone know that we're, 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 uh, cooperate uh, we're doing a cooperation you know we're working yep, yep. together we, we are competing because we want you know we want the best for our students and we have a, a certain philosophy that we're getting that way and i i know you know that that you know we can't build a school that's perfect for everyone right so some kids that are going to excel here um versus a, another school uh there are going to be some kids that don't right and i think i think we need to accept that and start welcoming in the diversity of having the ability um, to be able to to meet kids where they're at, and so that every student has a seat at the table. And I love that because I think as as, as you're saying that I'm 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 here nodding, and as if people can see me, and you're here working in a hard hat because you've got opening day here coming. It's, I love it. But it's the idea. This is this this is a conversation. Or this is a, a a conversation that happens to happen not just between public and charter. I mean, I'm looking at it just even like like rival schools. Like we're here in Iowa, we've got school districts so close to one another. And I'm always like, if we were actually to get these school districts to align together, you don't have to be doing the same thing, but actually this cooperation, like you could create this whole entire like flavor of teaching and learning and kids could in theory pick and choose the pathways that work really well for them not that it makes one school better than the other and it's not that it's just about just because my house happens to be here this is where i've got to go um you know like because like where i live and you can drive 10 miles and be part of geez six or seven different school districts you know what i mean like so this thing transcends not just public charter this is just the state of education i think i think as a as a whole um now you've got an opportunity, and I, and this is the, the part that's exciting. So as you're getting ready to open up the doors, you get a chance to kind of bring these education philosophies and concepts and ideas to life. And so, um, what is it that that you, that your place is going to do that that you you've seen, you've been on the road, you, we've had conversations, whether it's you or any of the other millions of educators that that just know like they, if we could, you know, we always say if I could just get. X and X and X out of the way, man, my classroom would be amazing. This school would rock if we could, you know. So what are some of those things that you're doing? Because I think it's really important that people hear that things are happening. Things are moving beyond just talking at a table um, or, you know, in a cafeteria, the teacher's lounge, and there's people actually moving forth, making these ideas come to life. Yeah, so it really revolves around your foundations and like so like our mission statement is is a very accurate portrayal of what we're doing here. So so we are working on the art and science of learning. And so recognizing both and that how they're they're equally beneficial and needed to have that holistic approach. Uh, and then underneath that motto, you know, we we have some founding ideals about accessibility. Uh, about accommodation, uh, about everyone having a, a seat at the table, uh, about challenging the status quo, uh, about things, you know, things that we all talk about, uh, you know, late at night or on our chat boards and whatnot. Right. And then finding those partners that believe what you believe. Hmm. Right. So this idea, you know, when you believe what we believe, you know, it no longer becomes work. Right. It becomes 
we are all fulfilling our dreams. And, you know, and when you when you're working on something with passion, you're not doing it for a paycheck, right? You're doing it, you know, because you want to be part of a solution, right? And so, you know, that that transcends from our staff to the people working in our building, um, all the way down to like the the materials uh, and stuff. So like, like a great example. So like challenging the status quo. So like traditional teacher desks, you know, they're they're not mobile, you know, mobility is, is part of our ethos. It's part of what drives us. So like, when you replace it with something like this, that can oh, be moved cool. around. Yeah, right. And or maybe, you know, you that that isn't and you want students to be able to come up. So, you know, you have something like this where you can adjust the height up and down uh, and be able to meet students where they're at. There's a lot of common like things like that where it's, you know, when you say, well, we need to meet students where they're at. Well, think about how the physical objects in your school do that. Think about how the curriculum does that. Mm. Right. Think about, you know, there's different ways for our students to be able to pr present and to be able to add to their portfolio. So whether it's, you know, creating a book report in Minecraft or being able to use the green screen to be able to, to record, you know, like a, a 30 second trailer for, for their book uh, in the form of movie, whatever it is, it, it celebrates what that student is passionate about. And so long, it no longer becomes about the book report. It becomes about your creativity and how you can express your feelings and your thoughts and able to reach as many people. And then to being able to share that, you know, so that when students are doing a project for you, you know, they, they're, they're, they're going to care about it, you know, about this, you know, about this much, you know, but when when students are doing a project for everyone, right, when it's something that, that's out there and being celebrated, you know, then, you know, they're going to care about it a lot more. And then the last piece of that piece of it is 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 authenticity. Right. Yeah. So we're not just doing doing work because that's what the benchmark and standard is. Right. We're doing it because of these reasons, right? So we focus on the why. So like a lot of uh, a lot of schools that, that I worked with, you know, they were talking about what are we doing today? Well, what are we doing today? What are we doing? What, what, what? And, you know, I think, you know, then when you start with why, when you start with why we're doing something, then the what becomes so much more important because now it's con connected to a reason and we all know from our own lives that when you have a purpose, when you have something that's personalized, when you have something that's passion based, then you're going to get better results. Right. And so, you know, being able to team up with partners in the community and to be able to offer field trips. You know, I know a lot of a lot of us, you know, when when talking to educators like, man, you know, I remember we used to go on all these field trips and those things aren't happening right Same now. Field so trips. The idea, Man, we might have to redefine what a field trip is. I think a lot of these new right? educators haven't even experienced a field trip when they were a kid, let alone thinking that like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bygone era. when you say field trip anymore? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, field trips can be as simply as simple as Skyping with an expert right, right. or, you know, um, you know, creating some sort of, uh, of, of, you know, uh, digital representation uh, of, of, of a place, uh, you know, it, it can be, you know, whatever you want. But I think 
uh, one of the opportunities we had to, this school was was getting parents involved, right? And so, you know, having there there are parents in your community that you know might be willing to drive to a field trip, and you know, once again, it comes into the legal issue of you know having the you know having parents you know do the background checks, having them you know be you have to have a principal that's going to go out and check the 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 seat belts and things, and there's there's a lot of just and I'm using field trips as an example. So there's like a lot of things that have barriers, and I think uh, in education we we get a, we try to get away from those barriers. But I think if we if if you go back to what your school is trying to do and and focus on you know bringing that value to kids, you will overcome those barriers, right? And so you'll you'll have a, a staff and you'll have an administration. That, that supports those things because, and I'm so fortunate here, is, is that's that's what we have. We have an administration and a whole group of partners that are willing to do that, go that extra mile for kids, right? That, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, if we use, you know, school buses, we don't have to go through all this, but then it becomes about down to cost, right? And a lot of a lot of this experiment here in Flint is is looking at, you know, how we we don't have tons of fun funds. You know, you look at uh we did we are fortunate. So back to like and I know a lot of you listening, like how how was Todd able to do this? And and it did come from a uh a uh a philanthropy. We got gotcha. uh, you. I'm glad you said it. Not me. Yeah, I can't say yeah, the word either. <laughs> organization called the CS Mott Foundation. So, so they are. They actually, uh, we got a grant from them uh, to be able to to do this. So, I mean, if some of you are thinking about, man, I would like to do that. I think that's your first step is to find a large enough community partner. And like every community has them. And like the thing was, is you know, it's is is getting them to the table. And then when you're at the table thinking about, you know, how how your your organization, whether it's your school district or whether it's an after school program or whether it's your STEM classroom or whatever it is, how how do how do the two of you have a shared vision? Because that's what it started here. I, you know, I'd sat down with uh, with the CEO and we had talked about, you know, these opportunities for hands on learning that existed here. And schools, schools come to the Flint Cultural Center. Um, there's about four buses that are parked out here right now. They're at the the planetarium. Um, but you know, the opportunity, um, you know, even if it's a you know a ten minute drive or whatever, it's still very costly for districts, right? And so, you know, being able to to figure out, you know, how do we cut those costs down, you know, and you know, and and in my daughter's school district. Uh, they were able to, you know, have parents driving. And that's just, it's just one, uh, one example of, of having creative solutions. And it's highlights the fact that the creative solution is going to have some more steps, right? And then as, as an educator, as a collaborator, as a part of your community, you have to say, are the, are these steps worth the outcome? You know, right. and in our case, it was yes. Um, but we've, we've had a lot of uh, situations where that, that is no. You know, and I think that's that's one of the huge parts of what's going to give us a successful culture of, of looking at that data, of being able to make informed decisions. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, we're, we we want our kids to have those experiences. And if your district does, too, you're going to look for those creative solutions. Yeah. Yeah. I love and that. It, and it does require 
Yeah, and I a love whole, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. You know, and as you're talking, and people are saying, "Well, holy cow," you know, I'm I'm just, you know, you, you hear this quite a bit. Unfortunately, I'm just a teacher, you know, in this district. And I think, you know, bring it down to your own um, perception and your own circumstances. You know, while you're reaching out and and you're designing and building a school with the village, and you're making this amazing thing happen, if you're the classroom teacher. You can do the same thing. Not that you're going to go tomorrow and go create and build a school, but looking at what it is you're trying to do in your classroom and go find those people that can strengthen that vision and strengthen your learning that's taking place within your space. Because I think a lot of times, a lot of the the innovative educators that maybe don't have the culture to support it, they tend to shut that door and try to stay out of the way. Like they don't want to be noticed, you know? And, And in the end, maybe that that works for those kids in your class, but there's a greater cause that, 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 that your positivity, your, your leadership, your innovation can, can expand and help others. And you're not alone. And I think a lot of times we feel like we're alone, you know? Um, and we, you, you hear that over and over again, like I'm the only one, I'm the only one. We all feel that way. Um, and so it's, you know, working through like what you said, you know, you've got a whole village around for this, but we can do the same thing as a classroom teacher, as a paraeducator, as a media specialist. There are people that are in your shoes and those that are on the outside just salivating to help you do what it is that that, that, that you're trying to do. Yeah, it's so true. And, and this this didn't happen overnight. This was uh, six years in the making, uh, but it started with just a teacher so even before I was a Microsoft Innovative Educator and uh, PBS Learning Media and and all all these other things that I was doing, I was an island. I, I really was. I didn't know anyone else that taught kindergarten through 12th grade, uh, <laughs> at least in my state. I still and, don't know anybody that does that. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's very hard, uh, highly qualified to get. It requires eight years of college and choosing many majors along right, the way. Right. But... Uh, but definitely represented a u- unique opportunity to be able to see kids go through the progression and, and, and bring meaning to the idea of technology education as a continuum and not just an isolation. Oh, we'll do typing this year and we'll do typing this year and we'll do digital media, you know, like having having a, a scope and a sequence uh, and being able to watch the kids grow up was is, is such, you know, it's just such an amazing thing at a year after year having them come back come right. back to the classroom. Um, but yeah, it starts with it starts with one snowflake, right? Every avalanche. And so, you know, be be that snowflake. And, and a lot of us, the heat, it melts us. Right. So, you know, but here's the idea is, is, you know, your dream, your snowflake may be melted, but it's it's not it's matters neither created nor destroyed. Right. It's just changed form. So now you're this drop of water and you're looking for other drop of waters because you're about to form a river and that river is going to become a waterfall. You know, like I there's mm. all the all the organizations that are partnered here, you know, all the way up to, you know, a uh, great example. So this this furniture is made by Steelcase. Steelcase is one of one of our project partners, you know, and it's it's a lot like, you know, it's a lot like you have to you have to to be passionate about your dream. And that's how you when we you know, we went to Steelcase, you know, not just as a customer, but as someone that was was believing what they believed in about how, um, you know, furniture can can transform 
uh, building, but you know, it's not, it's not going to do it by itself. You know, I, I've visited so many districts that like, Oh, check out our one room with flexible seating, you know, and, and granted some of them were just in a trial and, you sure. know, the opportunity here was we didn't have furniture, so we had to get it anyway. So we sat down and we said, you know, like, you know, how does our furniture going to, going to benefit kids? You know, like, you know, what are the things that we're looking for? Uh, and then that same blueprint was used in everything um, from, and there's going to be people along the way, like, uh, you know, the architects and, and building, you know, they, they were very used to a status quo, you know, and, and we had those challenges and saying, well, you know, if you, if you mount that, if you mount that TV right there, it's stuck there forever, <laughs> you know, and it can't move. And that defeats the whole purpose of having uh, uh, these mobile classrooms, if if my if my screen's right there, that means whenever I'm using technology, I have to have it like that. So right. uh, a great example is so yeah. So our our projecting materials, whether it's a TV or a uh, or a um, uh, projector with a you know a touch or a Promethean board. All of that has to be mobile, right? And so it's the idea of, you know, then once you have that, then you got to think, start thinking about cords and you got to start thinking about power and things like that. But that plays into a bigger piece when you're looking at it as a holistic transformation, because now we're not just buying um, a lot of, a lot of, when I go to districts and see their challenges, a lot of them were a result of the fact of, when things went bad, they didn't get fixed. They just put a Band-Aid on it, right? right. So, oh, this this is what we're doing. Those Band-Aids were never readdressed. And so when it came time to peel them all off, I mean, it hurt, you know. And that's a great analogy <laughs> for a lot of districts. And, and I've been there myself, you know. And when you peel that Band-Aid off, it hurts. Change is hard. You know, you're going – but – when you have partners that, that are with you, um, you know, and we're pulling that bandaid off slowly and we have, you know, a plan for what's going to take the place. Right. So we're going to, you know, get some holistic healing in here. Yeah. Uh, and so we're not just slapping band-aids on because it's part of a greater, you know, idea. Another thing is, you know, when we talk about accessibility, you know, like, um, you know, having things like uh, like a light speed system or whatever to be able to, you know, have that accessibility, you know, and, you know, the, the idea, oh, we'll just put them in the special ed classrooms. And then, you know, saying, wait, having someone have the, the guts to stand up and say, no, that's, you know, we're talking about equity and accessibility. You know, what you just said is it just, uh, you know, and, you know, but understandably, once again, it goes back into the budgeting, right? Um, right. Yes. You know. Uh, one of one of the things is in education, you know, I had maybe two or three classes in my master's uh, public administration class uh, on finances, you know, like it isn't a huge part. And a lot of us that come into principalships or becoming a superintendent, the idea of, you know, managing money hasn't been and working with budgets hasn't been a part of our professional careers. You know, like it's something we come into and we learn by doing. Uh, and I think, you know, definitely, you know, this opportunity of working with people in the business sector, people that are very accustomed to to finance and to to those things ha have helped us. And that can help other districts, too. And that's where it comes in, where our partnerships just aren't on ideas or on activities there. There our partnerships revolve around our culture. Right. Mm -hmm. And so having that culture of being able to utilize 
these resources allows us to be able to do th more things. Uh, it was made us able to offer to be able to offer our staffs because everyone here, this is our first year, you know, everyone that came to this school was able to make more than they were last year because of the fact that we, we have looked at creative ways to be able to, to, to save money by, by, by working with other institutions. Right. So, you know, like, printer costs, you know, like sh having shared printing systems, you know, being able to, um, uh, on top of our roof, making, making investments is great too. Um, situation. So like our roof is all solar panel and we'll produce more power than our school will consume. So we'll actually sell that power to other end where we had the people that, you know, are really good at those finances making, you know, this will cost you this much and this many years it'll be paid off. And, you know, that will generate revenue for your school in the long term. I've also seen school districts sell land um, to, to um, like shopping malls. And then in the contract, they negotiated like 1% of, of all the shops in this land that we used to own that we sold will go to back to the schools mm. forever, you know? Right, so like, right. and that was another, and it's about innovations, right? And like, when I talked to that superintendent, he's like, yo, no, I'd never heard of anyone doing that before. He's like, I just thought, hey, worth a shot. This, this developer really wants this land of ours, you know? And, you know, um, you know, if, you know, I was thinking, you know, and the community was like, oh no, we can't have another, big box store is going to bring crime or whatever, but it was the right choice because he was thinking about the future. Right. And I think that's another thing when you talk about, you know, how, how do we have those cultures of success is, is, is thinking about the future. You know, we can make predictions. We don't really know what the future holds, but we can make observations. So a lot of those ideas for this school came around looking at, you know, looking at work now. Right. So it's not the case that we're putting people in cubicles and lining them up in rows and, you know, everyone, it's the idea that, you know, everyone is kind of mobile. So whether you're working from home or whatever, you know, that you can be able to, you know, circle up your room really quick, you know, into a circle, you know, you can put them in rows like this, you know, you can put them off into groups, having that, that culture of saying, okay, we're preparing kids for a future that we don't even know, but here's what's happening right now in the present. Like here's, here's how things are being done in our community and looking at the jobs that are available and then what skills that those need. And a lot of kids, everywhere I've gone, that's actually been something that, that, that a lot of school districts have done really well um, is, is finding, you know, finding the, you know what you know what your community is known for and being able to to get kids equipped with those skills and then the challenge with everywhere i've been is is looking at you know everyone's trying to bring a new industry to their area you know um where you live agriculture is very big um you know i know john deere where i live here you know uh automobiles are very big you know but we're all trying to get the tech companies to come here you know and right. then looking at their culture you know and having these open spaces, you know, where, you know, kids have like the soft seating and they're able to break out. Um, these are the things that those companies are building into, into their culture. And that just gave us even more reason to say, still look for partners to say, Hey, you know, who would you like to, you know, 
give us a tour of your establishment. Show us some of the things that you're proud of, you know, tell us, show us some things that work, show us some things that didn't, didn't work, you know, and then being able to take that and, and apply it to, to, to your, your kids, you know, and, and where, you know, where is it going to benefit them the most? Yeah. I love that. I mean, it just, you just dropped like 87 nuggets of wisdom there and it's just so good. Um, for anybody listening in, I'm sure their, their heads are spinning. And I think that's really, at, at the end of the day, it's putting the kids first and finding ways to not allow the barriers that the adult world creates to inhibit those opportunities to allow kids to thrive in, in, in learning conditions and cultures and in spaces of learning that are going to allow them to figure out who they are and what their, their greater purpose is going to be, you know, as, as, as a citizen of here on, on this planet Earth. And, you know, I can't, I can't, Stop thinking about the idea when you talked about the the snowflake melting in the water and turning into a waterfall in a river, and I think that's something that that that's a really um, maybe a really powerful idea to kind of maybe wrap this whole thing up because I know you've got a lot of things to do here on your plate and um, to follow your journey and all that. But I you know I couldn't help but think as you talk about that waterfall, it's like yeah, we that's what we need to do. We just you know we just morph ourselves into the next way. We don't let let these obstacles stop us and you know i i think of uh, of the river and i think of, and maybe that's our challenge as educators is to join forces to create this river that over time slowly erodes you know the barriers you know i think of like canyons you know they raids you know erodes the barriers that, that have been in place for for a long time um and because they served a purpose at some point but now they don't serve that purpose and now it's time for us to kind of smooth those edges out and, and create these new pathways and um you know your, your message the stuff you've got going on is is, is so phenomenal and I know it's not just you. There's many people that are making that happen. And so um, it's kudos to all those other people um, that, that, that are definitely part of that, that community. Todd, I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. People want to check this out. They're going to hear this. They're going to want to see what's going on. Where, where can they go? I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes that, so they, they can see what's happening, that they can follow this journey, they can be inspired. You know, because I know there's going to be so many. I know you. I know how, how the, you, you work with social media, the story, the messages, the teacher voice, the student voices are going to be out there. And so I know this is going to be an ongoing story because that's important too. And maybe that, that's, that's a, another conversation for another time, telling that's the story. Good. But definitely I want people to know where to go because I think it's, it's, it's going to be an exciting journey uh, for people to check in and, and see how thing, things develop. Yeah. So, so our, our school is at FCCacademy.org. Uh, so that's the Flint Cultural Center Academy, FCCacademy.org. Uh, and you can see uh, all the institutions that we partner with. Uh, everything from um, the uh, state of Charles Stewart Mott, where students will learn about uh, agriculture, horticulture, about how to eat at, at a fancy restaurant, about etiquette, uh, about, um, you know, sewing, culture, picture taking, uh, to the uh, Flynn you uh, the repertory theater where kids will be performing uh, and every every class will get uh, will learn every student here will learn music uh, and they'll learn it by choice you know whether it's vocal uh, a recorder a piano and then moving up to to orchestra instruments uh, and giving that a try or you know if they want to play a little guitar with Mr. Perry, they can do that too uh, and then the Flint Institute of Art. Uh, and another great part is, so the Flint Public Library is, is one of our partners too. So when we looked at, you know, we, we value literature and we value books. And when we looked at the cost of, of, of and adding it to the library here, 
it, we looked at it and we said, well, there's a library right across the street, you know, like, you know, so, so in our instance, you know, uh, you know, our media center is, is, is augmented uh, and the students will go over there. And so then they'll be a part of their pro programs too. Uh, and then that enables the, their parents too. So like, you know, when we don't have to be constantly hosting events uh, every night, you know, the, the library offers events uh, and those are open and free to the community. And by the students being here on campus uh, and taking part in them during the day, that's generating more interest uh, at night. And that's, you know, that's when you you're when you're in a, in a disadvantaged, uh, you know, community, you know, you have to you can't just educate the kids like right. the reason the community became like that is because their their parents and their parents parents did not get that, that that education right and so it's really up to us as stewards of our community to make sure that when we're designing these ideas we think about you know parental involvement because we know it's critical to success and we know not every kid has it but if we we offer those opportunities they'll be able to to get it um i am teacher beard on twitter uh, I'm Beard Todd on Facebook. I add educators, uh, anyone, you know, that wants the, the chat, LinkedIn too. I'm on there as Todd Beard. And, um, yeah, you can you can check out our journey on, on, on Twitter and Facebook too at uh, Flint Cultural Center Academy. And uh, we'll be posting, uh, we'll be posting all of our our journeys and sharing. And we're always open to 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 sharing. I'm uh, I'm actually training the teachers here uh, about Skype and Skype in the classroom and mystery Skypes. So if you if you're studying water, um, also definitely going to be working with my students about about talking about how do we talk to other uh, communities about what we went through and how can we help them. Uh, understand what we're still going through and then talk to them about, you know, our resilience and our grit and then encourage them to have the same in their community and be partners, you know, in just supporting each other and saying, hey, you got tough times. We got tough times. You know, this is how what's working for us, what's working for you. Um, so definitely I'm always, always open to that, too. And then if you want to if you want to Skype with an expert, too, you can you can add me. I can talk to you about uh, what the MIE experience has been for me uh, about, you know, uh, getting to play Minecraft and, uh, and, and being able to work with uh, R&D teams at Microsoft and, and being a Microsoft employee, too. Like a lot of kids want to know what it's like, you know, and I don't I don't work in the video game industry, but I definitely speak to um, if kids are looking for that or if they want to be a YouTuber or whatever, uh, I can give them valuable points that that our industry known but that are educator guided right so i sure. a great example is i'll talk to them uh, about you know integrity you know in the realms of ndas non-disclosure agreements like if you want to be a video game game tester you have to have integrity like you can't be going around lying about things you know because no one's going to trust you and if we can't trust you know and yeah. so i've got I got it down to, to an art and science of, of how to how to speak to kids with that educator mindset so that you can appreciate what I'm saying to your classroom. But then also I don't sound fake like the kids know it right off. Like, oh, OK, he's, he, he knows what he's talking about. So right. definitely. Yeah. So and that's at Mr. Todd Beard at Yahoo. So you can Skype with me, set up a call. I'd love to collaborate, and I know Aaron and I are gonna gonna keep collaborating, uh, and definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. 
So everyone listening, this is uh, if he's not already on your radar for your educator community, he needs to be, and you need to follow this journey in this school. I think there's, there's going to be lots of positive things to come out of it, um, and it's definitely something that we can all take a little bit of inspiration and and, and begin to you know form our own rivers at, at at the local level, and you know we can all merge our rivers into you know the next big great Mississippi, uh, and and really yeah. make some some phenomenal things happen. So, Todd, this has been it's so good. It's always a pleasure. I, I always get so fired up and inspired hearing you talk because you you don't just talk to talk, you walk the walk and you're making it happen. So I can't thank you enough for uh, chatting with me in this call and I, I, I can't wait to hear um, inspiration that, that it spreads to other educators. Yes, Aaron, your, your friendship is thanks enough. Keep doing what you're doing because you do amazing things with your blog, with your students and with our community. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, man, as always.